Joining us here on the Full Court Press now is a good friend of mine, part of the Zone Sports Network, and he's the host of Locked On Cougars and Locked On Utes, by the way. But we are focused on the BYU Cougars. It is Jake Cash joining us here. Jake, how are you, my man? Doing well, AJ. How are you guys? Doing well, thanks. Hey, Jake, I, I, I got to start here. Uh, the Eric was just talking about the, the Knicks and the Dings that BYU suffered through last week. How are they doing so far in getting healed up and ready for this Friday on a short week? Well, according to Kalani Sitake, none of the players who got nicked up are out for the season. So I guess, in a way, that's good news. Uh, it's still going to be wait-and-see mode, really, until Friday to see who actually suits up and is out there. But I think all eyes for BYU fans are obviously on Jaron Hall and his health status. Uh, I think they're feeling a little bit better about their chances at quarterback with Baylor Romney and his performance last week. But obviously, you never want to have your number one guy go down. So I think it's all eyes on Jaron Hall. And, and how much of a difference would it make, though? I mean, Romney looked great uh, in relief, uh, led the team to a victory. So is it that much of a drop-off if it's not Jaron Hall? Well, that's the funny thing, Eric, is I actually had a conversation with somebody this week who said, well, even if uh, Hall can't go, we should be just fine. And uh, if you can replicate the performance that Romney had, sure, BYU probably is just fine, but we'll find out. I think that they picked Jaron Hall for a reason. His game-breaking ability is probably a little more uh, dynamic than a guy like Baylor Romney, but Romney flashed a very good arm and ability with a deep ball to put it right where guys could go get it. So I think both quarterbacks offer something, but I do still think there was a reason why they picked Jaron Hall originally, and I think they would prefer to have him out there. Hey, this this offense is so talented. Uh, you know, whether it's Jaron Hall running the ball or it's Algier, I mean, Baylor Romney, of course, Nakua. How big of an impact has a running game been? Because you know the quarterbacks can throw the ball, but the, the way this team runs it with, behind those massive hogs has got to have been really uh, pleasing for Coach Taki. Yeah, that's kind of their whole MO. They want always wanted to have kind of that big offensive line and running backs really go downhill on people. And the good news for BYU, regardless uh, coming into the season, of whoever was going to be the quarterback, is they knew they had their top two running backs coming back with Algier coming off a 1,000-yard season. And then Lopini Katoa, very much a nice change of pace back, can catch the ball out of the backfield, very effective when running the ball as well. So the two running backs they've got in Algier and Katoa have been Nothing, uh, if not great, so far this season, and the hope is they will continue to do that this Friday against the Aggies. So uh, let's talk about Algier for a minute. This is a, a physical runner. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I don't know if I'd classify him as a real speedster in, until I saw that uh, fumble recovery chase down, and he that was pretty. That was amazing. But uh, yeah. for anybody that just watches college sports, but uh, is he more of a power back, or does he? Does he have that breakaway speed that we just hasn't been showcased yet? Well, and see, that's the thing about Algier is he's got a label as a power back, and he should. He's five foot eleven, two hundred twenty pounds. He's an absolute sledgehammer out there as a running back. But as you mentioned, the, the fumble that he caused, he went down and punched that ball out against Arizona State. And the other play, I think most people kind of left them stunned with his ability to really break away from folks was last year against Boise State. Uh, he had a one cut run. He took one cut, cut up field. And it was something like an 80-yard run that he ran away from everybody on Boise State's defense. And let me remind you, he's 220 pounds, but according to most folks in Provo, he has 4-5 speed. It just doesn't necessarily get, I think, oh, I, I think it gets overlooked, I think, because of his ability to really pick up tough yards between the tackles. Jake, I know you kept an eye on the Boise State-Utah State game this past Saturday, and you saw the struggles that Utah State's offense had in the red zone. Meanwhile, on the other side, 
over there in Royal Blue. They are 14 of 15 inside the red zone. 12 of those are touchdowns. What have you seen out of the red zone efficiency from the BYU Cougars? Well, it's a, it's a big focus. Uh, if I can take you guys back to 2019, uh, funny enough, I saw a lot of 2019 BYU in that performance against Boise State from Utah State. The ability to motor up and down the field all game long between the 20s, but when you get in the red zone, shooting yourselves in the foot. And that's what happened to BYU during the 2019 season all year long. The coaching staff after that season made a renewed emphasis on finishing in the red zone. It became a focus of the practices every day. It's carried over into this season, and it's something that BYU prides themselves on. When they get inside that red zone, they plan on getting seven, if at all possible. And as you mentioned, they've scored 12 times out of 15 so far this season. And it's just I think it's a focus thing. And I think Utah State, they'll be better, obviously. You would hope so, because I-, I can't believe they had 317 yards and zero points. is astounding to me, but that's how it goes sometimes in this sport. So, with, uh, with, with t- speaking of points, I mean, BYU uh, is able to move the ball up and down the, the field. They're able to get points. Uh, they've been able to hold their opposing teams to the you know, mid to high teens. In South Florida, certainly notwithstanding, they had a second half that was very different. But um, they're, they're giving up about as many yards as they gain, but they're not giving up as many points. So, is that that red zone defense is that kind of the difference maker for BYU in their their first couple of games? I think the biggest thing is BYU's uh, on their defensive side of the ball. They are a team that's very much a bend don't break style. They'll let you get yardage between the twenties. They're okay with that. They they believe in the whole bend don't break mentality, and they feel like if they can get you into a longer drive, eventually something is going to happen. That's either going to get them an ability to force a punt, a turnover or the opposing offense would just give the ball back in some way, shape, or form. I know that BYU fans, they would like to see more of an attacking defense, and at times they have been plenty uh, efficient in terms of getting turnovers and stuff like that. But I think this defense, the whole mentality is, you know what, let's get them behind the chains if at all possible, force punts, and at the very worst, let's see if we can get a turnover. So it's not necessarily a ball-hawking team, speaking of the Cougars, but still the ability to limit points is obviously a, a good move on their part. Jake, what have you seen out of the BYU or BYU? What have you seen out of Utah State offense and you and in their defense as well? I think the thing about Utah State offensively for me is just their ability to attack the entire width of the field. And that's because we're seeing guys lined up uh, near the sidelines on opposite sides of the field in offensive formations. They like to spread teams out and really attack them. I actually really like the innovative style that the Aggies have deployed under Coach Anderson so far, and it's really fun to see. Defensively, Justin Rice is one of my favorite players to watch. I, I obviously had heard about him and his reputation uh, going from Fresno State to Arkansas State and then obviously transferring to Utah State, but I hadn't had much of a chance to really watch him up close through the first four games of the season. I'm absolutely floored at how good a player he is. And the nice part is they got a lot of complimentary pieces around him. So I'm really impressed with this Utah State team. I think they've exceeded all expectations this year in terms of what they have done going three and one. I think most of you think you guys would agree with that. The Vegas number, if I'm not mistaken, was three wins on the season. So right. if you're sitting at three and one, you've got to be thinking, okay, the rebuild's kind of been fast-tracked here. But I didn't necessarily think a rebuild or a complete teardown was needed. I just felt like they needed the right leadership in there, and so far Blake Anderson and company have done a great job. We're talking to Jay Catch, part of the uh, Locked On Cougars podcast. 
uh, breaking down Utah State and BYU coming up on Friday in Logan. And, Jake, this BYU team went through three straight Pac-12 opponents. Um, that's that's rough for a, a lot of teams to, to go through, but they handled it. They played well. Uh, they went through and had a nice first half against South Florida. Then things changed in the second half. How much of that was just, a num- as we've already detailed, a lot of different guys going out with little injuries, some t- maybe be a little bit bigger than that, but uh, with guys just going out with injuries and younger guys or more inexperienced guys coming in, or just the team kind of laying off the gas a little bit and just letting South Florida back into it? Uh, I think that all three of those things factor in. The, of course, those three Pac-12 opponents, you're going to get up to them because they're Power 5 opponents, and when USF shows up on your schedule, I don't care who you are, it's a little bit of a, I don't know how to say, a letdown in a way. And BYU kind of played that way, especially in that second half. USF was all about ball control offense. They had drives of 19 yards was the longest, 14 plays. They, they just controlled the clock. They had 30, almost 36 minutes of time of possession. And BYU uh, did a lot of rotating in that game against USF. I'm talking guys I had not seen all year long, defensively especially twos and threes, and I think that the mentality in that game was BYU thought, okay, we can mix in some extra guys here, give us some game experience, and it almost burned them, honestly. Uh, they gave they got it to a one-possession game, and fortunately for BYU, USF couldn't execute an onside kick properly, and they were able to run out the clock. But I think that they'll tighten things up this week. I, I think Utah State's got their full attention. I think the near letdown against USF also captured their attention, but I think it was just a mixture of all three things you mentioned. So have you ever seen a BYU team play as well as they have, but yet seem so disappointed and so angry in a press conference? Like, I just seem, I didn't see it, like, face-to-face, but it just, I don't know if, like, Sataki ever smiled, if he does even smile. It just, it was incredible how disappointed and angry they seemed, even though they're 4-0, ranked 13th in the country. I, I, I think you're right, Ajay, and I can tell you this much. Kalani loves to he loves to dance. He loves to have a good time. But there was a def- different uh, demeanor, a different tone from him in the post game from that USF game. And I-, I really think it's just that they felt like they let off the gas. They-, they let USF do some things that they did not anticipate USF being able to do. I think BYU might have gotten into that game a little uh, overconfident, I guess is the term to use. And they got burned a little bit in that game. So I think, as I mentioned, this is a game going into Utah State in-state rivalry, no matter what certain BYU players they have to say. And they're, they're refocused. I think the coaching staff has been harping on them all week long, telling them, you guys may think you're good and you're ranked 13th and you're 4-0, but you guys got to realize USF almost put it to you. So Utah State, you better believe they're going to come after you as well. Uh, just as a sidebar, I think it's kind of fun to hear. Uh, there were a lot of questions and, and then uh, responses to dealing with the USU crowd and the fans. For the first mm-hmm. time, this BYU football team will be on the side with the fans. So I imagine it's going to be really lively. I would love to have a, an open mic down there, not for radio, maybe just a closed mic <laughs> just so I can hear. But um, well, I, I think it's going to be pretty uh, – that could create some interesting uh, dynamics that we haven't seen in the in the in this long-storied uh, rivalry between these two teams. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's going to be an interesting thing, obviously, to switch sides of the field for BYU, but I also don't blame Utah State at all for doing that. Uh, see, what, see what the student section can do to harass BYU's players and coaches, and it should be a fun environment. We all know that Maverick Stadium, whenever one of these in-state teams, whether it's BYU or Utah, go up there, 
the fans are all lathered up. It's, it's going to be a fun time. There's a lot of BYU fans. I'm sure they'll be trying to make a trip up there. I love Maverick Stadium. It's a smaller stadium, obviously, but it's just a stadium where fans are right on top of you, and it gets really, really noisy. So I look forward to Friday night. I think it's going to be absolutely nuts. So, Jake, since everybody else and their dogs have been asked about it, I'm going to ask you, is this a rivalry, yes or no? Yeah, it is. There's, there's no doubt about that. And I've got family. I, I grew up in Orem, Utah, but I've got family in the Logan uh, area up there in Cache Valley who are the diest of diehard Utah State fans. They have sat through many, many years of, let's just let's just say it, not great Utah State football in the last decade plus has been a lot better for them up there in Logan. And I absolutely think it's a rivalry. Like, and I think the biggest thing is there are certain players at BYU who maybe didn't grow up in this state who don't necessarily have understand the dynamic of it. And it is a different type of rivalry than it is with the University of Utah for the Cougars, but it is absolutely a rivalry. Uh, last question for me, Jake. This is, uh, as we've mentioned, a rivalry that dates back a long time. This is the like ninety years or something like that. Mm-hmm. But could this rivalry be in jeopardy of continuing with BYU going into the Big Twelve? Uh, it could, obviously, on paper, because we don't know exactly what BYU's conference schedule is going to be. There have been thoughts out there that the Big Twelve could go to eight, nine, or even ten conference games depending on the format, and we'll see what they ultimately decide to do in that vein. But I think that, uh, and one of my coworkers at the Zone Sports Network, Patrick Kinahan, works on DJ and PK, he wrote a really cool column. You can find it at 1280thezone.com or ksl.com, where he actually says that the loyalty that Utah State has shown to BYU, scheduling them every year during their independent era, is something BYU should reward the Aggies when they go into the Big 12. I would love to see this rivalry continue. Do I think it'll necessarily be every season? Probably not, but I'd like to see it, let's say, two out of every three years. I'd absolutely love to see Utah State and BYU squaring off. Give me your thoughts on that same regard of Boise State and Utah for BYU. Uh, So Utah, obviously, is, is their number one rival, but I think Boise State has become a very, very good rivalry for BYU. I do wonder uh, how they'll balance this, and maybe it becomes like kind of a rotation where BYU mixes in Utah State, Boise State, and Utah uh, just around how they do the Big 12. I think BYU is going to prioritize the Utah rivalry as the one they want to play the most, but I think all of those schools should be in the mix to play BYU on a pretty regular basis. And They've had these contracts that BYU currently is trying to work around because they had contracts all the way out to the 2030s with teams like Boise State in terms of the upcoming games as an independent. So I would imagine that those contracts get amended and they will probably be featured on future schedules, but it just may not be an annual basis for all three of them to play BYU. Well, Jake, I, I think this is going to be a fun matchup, yeah. a good showdown. I think this Utah State team has surprised a lot of people, including myself, just how much, uh, how far ahead they are and where I thought they'd be at this point of the season. Uh, they really made some mistakes last week that are very fixable, but we'll see just how much they really fix those against a really good opponent, the best one that they will have faced so far this year. So appreciate the perspective. I think this is going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I always love these in-state games, and any chance I can get up to go to Angie's or go to Maddox on my way up to Logan, I'm absolutely down for. I was going to ask, what's your, uh, I mean, I guess it's a night game, so it won't matter, but uh, what's your uh, food of choice over here at uh, in Catch Valley? Oh, it, 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 
Angie's is the easy one to go to, but there's Bluebird Cafe. There's a number of them Ooh, up there. I, I love too. the Cache Valley. It's great, great folk up there. My brother now lives up in the Cache Valley, so always good to go up and visit. Bluebird so. Cafe is closed for renovations, so oh, don't really? don't plan on oh. stopping there. Well, that's well, okay. All right. Angie's it is. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, keep that in mind. <laughs> He's of the Zone Sports Network, Locked on Cougars, Locked on Newt's uh, podcast host. Does an absolutely phenomenal job. I mean, really one of the best to do it in the biz. It's Jake Hatch. Jake, thanks so much for your time. Best wishes. We'll see you on Friday Thanks night. for the insight. Eric, Ajay, thanks for the time. Have a good one, boys. All right.